This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuning in to the new TNN. Previously on Splash Woman. You know, Johnny C, dude, I don't recall. You sure can, Brooktini. Anything, dude? Now, Daddy's here, too, brother. Go get him, Splash Woman. Yeah, dude. Sure indeed does look good, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the new TNN podcast. This is Johnny C, as is to be expected. As is not to be expected, I am here breaking a promise as I pledge to the listening audience that Splash Woman was no more. However, Johnny C, whom is I, has fallen victim to the dreaded contract of an ironclad nature that I entered into with my co-host, introducing here, ladies and gentlemen, he's back, and he's better than ever, face facts, it is the Bulkster. Bulkster, how are you? We know Johnny C, dude, I, I think that, I think what you're trying to do is misconstrue something to your audience, brother. You're making it sound like a Bulkster is at some sort of a fault for entering into an ironclad legal agreement with you, dude, but I, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry. I had representation present, brother. You know, my legal beagle, mouth of the south, Jimmy Hart, dude. Jimmy Hart, dude, come on in here. Say something to the seaman, dude. Wait, did you call me the seaman? Yeah, dude, the seaman. <laughs> Come on, Jimmy, dude. Here he is, brother. Uh, Jimmy, but dude, brother, I just want to say thank you so much for creating a contract of an ironclad nature, dude, so we can come back here and do the Splash Girl, Jimmy. Come on, say something to the audience. God damn it, Buckster, I swear to you, if you make me sign one more of these contracts, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to jump in front of moving traffic. I'll do it, Buckster. You think I won't do it? You've been parading me around for 17 goddamn years. I'm a man, damn it. A real goddamn man. Well, you know what, dude? You still look like Pinocchio, you Pinocchio prick fuck. Get out of here. Johnny C, dude, I'm going to apologize for my legal beagle, the mouth of the South Jimmy Hart, dude. He hadn't had his medicine today, but brother, dude, it's Splash Girl. You know what I'm saying? A Splash Woman, Bulkster. Yeah, it's the same thing, dude. It's got a twat, don't matter. Oh, Jesus with the twat. Yeah, dude, Jesus is the reason for the twat, dude. He made all the twats around the world, brother, for the Bulkster to penetrate with the 24 now, Johnny C, dude, we're, we're going to talk about Splash Woman, dude. It's, it's Brooktini. The Brooktini show's back. Yeah, Bulkster. Um, it, it is difficult to find episodes of a completeness nature uh, for Brook Knows Best, but we were able to track down an episode. So today, folks, we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 7, Brook's First Prom. You want to go ahead and dive into this here, Bulkster? Well, yeah, dude. I mean, I think, you know, you ain't got time for small talk, dude. I mean, what have you been up to, Johnny C? You know, what have you been doing to pass the time? You been out and about on some of the wide glides, dude? Did you maybe take your Harley down to the to the coast, dude, and pick up some rays before you're lifting the weights down on Muscle Beach, brother? I mean, what do you do for fun, Johnny C? Um... I mowed the grass yesterday. Uh, I did some laundry. I watched a baseball game. Um, you know, just same type of shit that everybody does. 
Joyce C, dude! I, you're bringing the audience down to a point of almost no return, dude. Could you, you could have at least made something up. You know, you could have said that maybe you went downtown, dude, and you were looking for some honeys, and you didn't find any, but along the way, you met some cool dudes, and maybe you, you know, went to the hotel to talk to some models, and maybe at one time, dude, you went into the Pontiac Silverdome and slammed a no-good stinking wart-infested giant in front of 930,000 people, dude. I mean... That's what this business is all about, brother. You know, you gotta, you gotta tell stories, dude. You gotta make people believe. Sometimes you gotta be a little larger than life, dude. Okay, so let's try this again. What'd you do this weekend, Johnny C? Um, I did twenty thousand loads of laundry. Whoa, dude, that's some kind of a record, brother. How'd you get all that done? I mean, you know, it wasn't really a thing. I, I often uh, lift. 20,000 pounds of weights uh, on my legs at a time. Whoa, dude! You taking that Ica Pro, Johnny C? Yeah, I have a lifetime supply of Ica Pro that I won in the lottery uh, when I was 10. Dude, I knew! I knew you had that aura of luck around you, Johnny C. You're a lucky dude, man. You should be proud of yourself. Yeah, you know, I am. And then uh, I mowed the grass, uh, you know, for the entire state of Ohio on Sunday. You know, just something that I do. It's one of my charitable contributions. You know, I don't do it for the recognition. I just do it because I can. John C., dude, I mean, you're on your way, dude. You're going to be a Hall of Famer in no time, dude. Thank you, Bulkster. See, Johnny, all you got to just, you know, you tell me what you did, dude. But to tell me what you did like you're a wrestler. And, and that's that's what you're going to learn from this, dude. You're going to learn how to tell the wrestling truth. That's what we're going to call it here, Johnny C. But yeah, let's get started with the Splash Girl, dude. All right. So, uh, Brooke Teeny, she's in her apartment with her two roommates. And Brooke is on the phone. Now, I do mention that she has two roommates. Of course, the Glenster is here. Uh, this go-around being played by uh, actor Shia LaBeouf. I did not, I can't believe I didn't notice how much Glenn looks like uh, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Bulkster, are you familiar with Shia LaBeouf? Shia LaBeouf, dude. Hmm. Brother, I, I can't, I can't picture a Shia LaBeouf, dude. Uh, what, what, what would I have seen him in, dude? Uh, he is in the first three Transformers films, playing a character named Sam Wit. Wiki. Whoa! Same with Wiki, dude! One of the legendary Wit Wiccans uh, that exists throughout time to protect us, dude. Yeah! Why didn't you just... Dude, his name is Sam Witwicky, alright? Witwicky comes down to the Tampa State, dude. I've had Sam Witwicky over to my house on three non-consecutive March weekends, dude. And I want to tell you something. We were hanging and banging with Brother Broodeye, dude. And me and Sam Witwicky, we were riding around in the big rig, dude. The same big rig that I used to run over that no-good stinking Rocky Maivia uh, before Toronto, dude. And I want to tell you something. Sam Witwicky showed me a magic button that I could press on that truck, dude. And the truck made a noise. It was like, brother, brother. And then, dude, my truck was alive. My truck was talking to me, dude. And the truck said to me, a bulkster. I've been following the three commandments of Balkamania, dude. And I've been training and saying my prayers and taking my diesel-based vitamins, dude. And I'm going to help you push that son of Andre dude off a of Kobo Hall in no time, brother. And that's when me and Sam Witwicky became Thunder Buddies for life, dude. So you're familiar with Shia LaBeouf? I am, dude. I am. 
Uh, Brooks' third roommate, who we uh, are just being introduced to for the first time here on the journey of Splash Woman, but her name is Ashley. I don't know anything about her, but she seems nice, I guess. Johnny C, I can tell you a few things about Ashley, dude. (laughs) Actually, nobody really calls her Ashley, dude. Her friends call her Trashley or Smashley, or sometimes we call her Ashley, dude. But she's a pretty good time, brother. So Brooke is on the phone trying to negotiate uh, the acquisition of some prom-based dresses. She's trying to find prom dresses that she can donate to an organization called Becca's Closet. Uh, a really nice organization, it sounds like, that, uh, you know, acquires dresses for individuals that need them for prom. They can't afford them or don't have the means to afford them. And Brooke's trying to get involved, you know, to try to do something for the soul. Try to get a little soul food action going on here. Uh, but it is Becca's closet. Uh, unfortunately, the gal, Becca, that started it has since passed away tragically. And uh, her parents continue running the organization. And, and that's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I hope if one thing you take away from this episode of Splash Woman is that there are nice organizations out there to do nice things for nice people. Uh, Bulkster, are you familiar with this organization before you checked out this uh, episode of uh, Brooke Knows Best? Well, you know, Johnny, there are a lot of organizations that I'm not familiar with, dude. But I am familiar with this organization, dude. So I used to sell clothes there all the time. And you know what, dude? Now that I got this national platform to say something, I don't really like this organization, dude. Because I walk in there with a lot of really nice shirts, brother. I'm talking Tommy Bizamas, dude. And they got no interest in buying them. So I said, all right, dude, brother. You don't want to take my Tommy Bizama shirts, dude? That's fine. I got a couple of wide glides out there hitched up to my trailer truck, dude. It's going to help me take that Paul White Giant down to Cobo Hall, dude. And you want to you want to buy a couple of these wide glides, dude? The boxer could really need a couple of extra dimes here. How about these wide glides? dude. And they were like, no, dude, I don't want to buy any wide glides. So when they took Nick, my little son, dude, when they took him to the Hooska, I took all of Nick's clothes and I sold them and I made enough money to go to Waffle House one day a week for two days, dude. I think you're talking about Plato's Closet? Yeah, dude, Plato's Closet. What the hell are you talking about? All right, enough of this. Uh, the icing on the cake here. After Brooke hangs up, she talks to Glenn and Ashley, and she basically relates to them what what, what we're doing this episode. Oh, I'm, I'm working with this organization, blah, blah, blah. We're going to go donate some prom dresses. It's going to be great. It's going to be a fun episode. This is going to be the plot. And then she adds, there's one little fun caveat to this donation and relationship conundrum that she's entered into with Becca's Closet. As a part of raising awareness for the Becca's Closet organization. Brooke looks into the camera and says, quote, there's going to be an auction and the individual that is the highest bidder will win a date with, and then Brooke does the finger quotes, Brooke Hogan. You know what, Johnny, want to stop you right there, dude? Johnny C, dude. I have never been more proud of my daughter in my entire life, dude, than when she identified the character of Brooke Hogan using the finger quotes, dude. I mean, you hope your kids are paying attention, dude, as you raise them. And then, you know, you, you put them out into the wild, dude. You release them like a big old stinking fish that you just caught that your wife won't let you take home. And then, dude, you wonder... Is that little Brooke Titty Fish going to make the right decisions in her life, dude? 
Is she gonna get in bed with the right people on a contractual basis, nature? Not the other way, dude. But is she gonna find the right way to promote her brand, dude? Is she gonna find the right way to get out there and make a buck, dude? When I saw her use those finger quotes referring to Brooke Hogan as a character of Brooke Hogan, dude. I mean, my life's work is done, Johnny. I'm so proud, dude. Well, I, I, I guess seeing the genuine emotion is heart-moving, Bulkster. But do you hear yourself? You're proud of her for creating a character of Brooke Hogan? Well, yeah, Johnny, dude. Oh, <laughs> excuse me, dude. I need a minute. I mean, I guess she at least has the wherewithal to know that she's full of shit. And Johnny, that's all. That's all parent can really ask for, dude. I mean, one of these days, your kids are gonna come home and be like, "Johnny, see, Dad, dude, uh, my little kidster, see, is here, dude, and, and, and little kidster, see, you know, he's gonna be like a character, dude." Sure, Bulk. You you take all the time you need. I'm just going to continue with the episode. Now, while Brooke is excited to bring awareness to, uh, you know, Becca's closet, and she thinks it's going to be a little silly, but she's okay with auctioning off a date with a Brooke Hogan dude, as we would say, um, she, she throws in, this is going to be her first prom. Now, I get it. You know, she's probably too busy filming reality TV shows to go to her own prom. But uh, we all know Brooke has a bit of an uptight father that didn't let her go to any prom. So, Bulkster, end your tears. I'm putting you on the hot seat. Did you refuse to allow Brooke Teeny to go to her prom when she was in high school? All right, hear me out, dude. Okay? Now, the prom date process, dude. All right. First of all, around the around the Hulk Hogan house, dude, there's a process to these things, dude. First thing you got to do is fill out an application for a Brooktini date, dude. And if you fill out that application, you got to provide copies in triplicate form, brother. And you got to dot all the lowercase j's, dude. And if the lowercase j's aren't dotted, and I don't get these films in a triplicate format, dude, number one, you're not getting an interview. So there were a handful of folks that I did end up interviewing, dude. There were a handful of folks who remembered those J's, who remembered the triplicates, dude. And from that poll of prom date applicants, dude, I finally found the one. I approved a nice guy, dude. Ten people got to the final interview round, dude, and only one of them was worthy of a date with Brooke Tady. Good fella, name of Brian, if I do recall. I mean, Brian had a driver's license, dude, and he had a steady income by working indie shows, brother. He's kind of a bit of an amateur chef, too, dude. And I did confirm through a medical blood test that he did not have rabies, even though I kind of thought he might have, dude. Wait, Brian, indie shows, chef, you were afraid he might have had... Are you talking about Brian Knobs? Uh, Johnny, I don't recall. Hey, you fucking watch it with that shit. I, I, it was Brian Knobs, I'm sure it was, but hey. You don't pull that recall shit on me, or it's deposition mode. <laughs> yeah, hoof all you want. Now, Glennon to Ashley. Ashley, dude. I think you're Smashley. Glennon Smashley want to help with this whole thing. They want to go help the girls try on some prom dresses. You know, dude, Johnny C., you gave me a lot of shit, dude, about my gay barometer. But you notice that Glenster's really interested to go help some high school girls change their clothes, dude? Yeah, I did catch wind of that. I think he's just excited for fashion show. You know, shades of, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, 
Kelly Kapoor. Maybe Glenster just wants fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch. What the hell are you talking about, dude? Just forget it. Just, just move along. Move along. We do go to the Becca's Closet uh, area of town. It's like a warehouse, I guess. And, and Brooke, you know, makes good on her promise. She sews up with a lot of different dresses. And we get sort of a try and prom dresses on montage with a couple of high school kids. You know, uh, it's fine. Um, you know, Brooke is definitely body positive towards these girls saying, hey, if that's the, if, you know, if that's what your body is, don't be afraid to show it. And she's not talking in excess. You know, she's like, hey, if you want to wear a swoop neck and you have large bosoms, you know, that's just a swoop neck, dude. That's just the way that life works. And I, you know, it's nice, you know, especially when someone like a Brooke Hogan walks in and, and you know, Brooke's not an ugly woman. Bulkster, and I'm not dare going to sit here and it's just that you know someone who comes in like Brooke with a lot of confidence you know gives tries to give you that confidence it's a nice thing so I appreciate that dude I was a little bummed out god damn it did you hear that yeah dude you said dude dude I was a little bummed that this uh, montage of trying stuff on wasn't scored by I'm too sexy for this dress too sexy for this dress. I'm clearly the best. Johnny C, how can you be singing songs at a time like this, dude? This scene did nothing but make me nervous. Nervous? You afraid like someone's going to fall out of their dress? Or maybe some girl's going to get her heart broken because, you know, the dress doesn't fit her or something like that? No way, dude. You got lots of people getting dressed in a warehouse-type environment, dude. What if some sort of parasailer comes flying by? Hoof. Was hoof? The sound of them, like, flying by with binoculars or a telescope? Is this still your largest concern in life? Dude, I gotta tell you, man. You don't know. You don't hang and bang down at the Becca's Closet Warehouse, dude. You don't see these types of guys that are walking around, dude. I- I'm worried about an exposure of a brook nature, dude. Well, the, uh, the representatives of Becca's Closet are not concerned. They're actually very grateful that Brooke Teeny came. You know, they even let her know that uh, two of the girls that are getting dresses are so thankful because their parents are currently unemployed. Three if you count, Brooke, dude. Oof. Deep stuff, brother. Okay, three if you count, Brooke. Glenn has moved, too, and he's all like, yeah, wow, guys, I really learned a lot today. And it's just typical reality show bullshit, you know? Like, wow, we sure did learn a lot today, huh, Brooke? I'm so glad I was on this episode of Brooke Knows Best. It's time for a scene transition away from the Becca's Closet configuration arena. And, you know, a lot of times in art of a moving picture nature, there are scene transitions. Famously, Star Wars does the wipe. The scene transition for this episode of Brooke Knows Best Boxer, can you describe it to us? Yeah, dude, so what what you got here, dude, is after we leave Becca's closet, we, we, we transition to what my friend, big movie Kevin Nash, tells me is a fisheye lens, dude. And it's the Hulkster looking into a fisheye lens, dude. It's sort of a tribute to one of my favorite uh, movie stars of all time, dude, and that's Ernest P. Worrell. But it's letting the audience know that the Hulkster is coming into the next scene, dude. It's true. We catch up with Hulk Hogan at a seaside restaurant table wearing a black billabong cutoff shirt, a gold yellow bandana, and he's allegedly on the phone talking to someone, perhaps an Eric Bischoff or a big movie Kevin Nash. However, I'm hypothesizing that the Hulkster was actually talking to no one. So, Bulkster, right now, on the spot, who were you talking to? You know, brother, I don't recall. Okay, that's twice. 
Are we going to have to do the rest of this episode deposition style? Oh, please, Johnny, dude. I promise. I'll try to do a better better job of recalling, dude. I can't take another deposition, brother. Eh. All right, Bulkster. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. You better start recalling. All right, dude. I'll try to recall. All right. You promise? I'll recall. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm fucked, Johnny C, dude. Okay, now before we move any further with the episode, I am unfortunately contractually obligated to let you know that this episode of Brooke Knows Best is brought to you, according to the streaming platform that I'm forced to watch it on, by King's Hawaiian Sweet Rolls for little mini slider burgers. And King's Hawaiian Sweet Rolls is brought to you by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And don't worry, folks, if you forget... I'll make sure to mention it every time the stream of Brook Knows Best gets interrupted. This 19-minute video has quite a few interruptions to let you know about King's Hawaiian Sweet Rolls and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So, Hulkster and Brooktini have lunch. Hulk's all like, oh my gosh, you look awesome. I love you, Brooktini. Sit down, dude. Brooktini does sit down and she explains all the prom scenarios and shenanigans that she's gotten up to and, and the Hulkster is not pleased. Dude, I, I don't necessarily think it's the, the Hulkster's not pleased, dude. He's just a little anxious and nervous. Well, what does he say, Hulkster? Well, you know, dude, I thought I got by this unscathed. You know what happens on prom night? People go to Lover's Lane, dude. And, you know, if it's a high school guy, their hormones are raging. Like a raging bull. I'm sorry, was that bull noses that the Hulkster made? Yeah, dude. He said, like a raging bull. Now, Brooke replies, oh, calm down, Dad. I'm probably taller than them anyway. And do you recall? Remember, I said, do you recall what the Hulkster says? I do recall. He said, well, then they'll probably be wanting to climb the tree of love. The tree of love? Yeah, dude, the tree of love. It's a magical tree, dude. And when two trees fall in love, dude, they perform the tree of love, dude. Come on, Johnny C. Ain't you ever done the tree of love? No. No, I just fuck. Ho, ho. Johnny C, dude, you get a little vulgar, but I kind of like it, dude. We'll have to talk offline about this fucking dude. Now, the Hawkster gives Brooktini one more little tidbit to think on, Johnny C, dude. Something to make her uh, think about the commitment that she's made going to prom with a no-good stinking high schooler. What if this guy, what if this guy's a little dirty, Brooktini? What if it's some guy that picks his nose and eats the boogers or something? That's right! The Hulkster is concerned about booger-eating and nose-picking on prom night. Of all the things, this might be the fear of nude parasail or parasailers trying to get the nude views. What, what? Where do these concerns come from? You know, Johnny, I don't appreciate what you're saying about the Hulkster's mentality. These are real concerns that a person, and specifically a dad teeny, can have, dude. I mean, I know at least 17 people in my life that have done just this thing, dude. Picking a nose and eating the boogers. Well, do you recall the 17 people? Well, uh, dude, you know, I don't want to be naming names. Now, come on, Bulkster. Do you recall the 17 people? I do. Well, let's hear it. All right, dude. Well, I'm apologizing to all these dudes uh, by naming names, brother. But since you said, do you recall, I'm legally obligated to answer. Nick Patrick, Glacier, the Iron Sheik, Sean Mooney, that dude Regis Philbin, uh, Jumping Bomb Angel 1, 
Jumping Bomb Angel 2, uh, Grizzly Smith, Referee Shane Stevens, that no good stinking little kid that Ricky the Dragon Steamboat had at WrestleMania 4, NWO member Masamai Hero Chono, dude, the Cowboy James Storm, Dixie Carter, Serge Carter, David Flair, that youngster Sava Simba, dude, and at least four or five of the Grimsters from Gremlins 2. Alright, sold. Let's move on. We head back to Brooke Teeny's apartment. And oh, wait a minute. Before we get to Brooke Teeny's apartment, Bulkster, do you have something we need to let the audience know? Yeah, dude, I want to tell you something. This next portion of Splash Girl is brought to you by King's Hawaiian Sweet Rolls, dude, which is sponsored by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is now available only in theaters. And those King's Hawaiian Sweet Rolls, dude, they're delicious. Like, can I have a few of them, dude? I'm getting kind of hungry. The the Bulkster don't exactly live hand-to-mouth, dude. So, Brooke's phone rings now that the commercials are finished, and she gets a call from Eddie Lambert. Eddie the Lamb Lambert, dude. That's what we know this kid on at the Indies, dude. Yes, Eddie the Lamb Lambert. Uh, he's like, Brooke, you won the house! No, I'm just kidding. That's an in-your-house Todd Pettengale joke. Trying to see, dude. You, you wonder why people hate you, dude? It's because you make jokes like that. Okay, sorry. Anyway, Eddie wants to talk to Brooke, so they do. They engage in a phone-based conversation. Eddie's like, hey, I won the prom date. And Brooke's all excited, like, yay, it's my first prom. Eddie replies, yeah, it's my first prom too, but trust me, I know what I'm doing. Laying some groundwork here, Eddie the Lamb Lambert. Not too bad. Uh, Brooke wants to know what the plans are for prom night. Well, Eddie says, we're going to meet my whole family, which is just the first little clue that the exploitation of Brooke Hogan is going to be in full force. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I couldn't be more proud of her. Oh, poor Brooke. Uh, Glenn takes the phone and pretends to be Hulk Hogan. It's a really shitty impression, but Eddie falls for it nonetheless. Glenn confesses his true identity and asks Eddie his thoughts on a couple of prom-related items. Eddie, what are your thoughts on kissing on the first date? Well, why not? Ooh. Eddie, what does second base equate to these days? Uh, a very touchy makeout session. Uh-huh. Glenn then lets Eddie know that Brooke does indeed like aggressive men. Calm down, Bulkster. It's okay. It sounds like Brooke Teedy is going to have her hands full. Well, we fast forward all the way to a commercial for King's Hawaiian Sweet Rolls, which is in turn sponsored by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is now available to view in theaters. It's May 10th. Hours before prom. And Brooke Hogan emerges from her room in her Betty clothes. And she's sad. She's sad because of Nick. And in this very human, real moment, her roommates, Smashley, Trashley, Ashley, or Ashley, and Glenn, give Brooke Teeny a little bit of a pep talk about Nick. Nick! Who's Nick, brother? Is Nick some no-good stinking boy that broke my little Brooke Teeny's heart, dude? Because I'll murder that son of a bitch. No, it's her brother. Oh, yeah, brother. Brother. Oof. Yeah, hoof indeed. 
Um, she's just upset. I guess at this point in her life, there was a lot of stuff and dirt and mud getting tossed back and forth between the Hogan family and the uh, other family involved in the accident. I'm not going to really talk about it. But Brooke says at this point, the other family is saying that the accident that Nick caused was intentional. And I don't know if they said that. I'm offering no official comment. But if they did, I'm kind of with Brooke here. Like, really? Like, really? Like, that was Nick's, like, fucking goal for the day let's go do this and you know deal with the ramifications and consequences i don't believe that i don't know but i'm not getting involved brooke eventually gets over all of it after the pep talk and it's time to do some prom stuff the stretch hummer arrives and ladies and gentlemen introducing for the first time eddie the lamb lambert a tall goofy fuck with some sick ass shades on i'll give him that but how do we best describe an Eddie the Lamb Lambert? Bulkster, let's see if you follow along with this equation. Take film actor Eddie Redmayne. Add Andy Samberg. Add McLovin. And let's say that Eddie Redmayne, Andy Samberg, and McLovin had a child that grew up to be an accountant. Does that sound about right? Yeah, dude, uh, let me just say this about Eddie the Lamb Lambert, dude. I don't know who Eddie Redmayne and Adam Sandberg and McLovin are, dude. But let's just say, you better not send this dude a Christmas card, if you know what I'm saying, Jack. Jesus, Bulkster. Moving on. Eddie the Lamb Lambert does a slow motion walk into the Brook Teeny apartment complex building. And we see the, the building manager from episode one. Yeah, dude. Uh, Big Sam or Big Steve or Big Dave, whatever his fucking dude's name is. I'm glad he's keeping an eye on Brooke Teeny. You know, he gives Eddie the Lamb Lambert the lowdown. Like, brother, dude, you're here to see a Brooke Hogan, dude. I better see some sort of, like, paper-based documents indicating you're allowed to see a Brooke Hogan. Before I go over and press that Brooke Hogan elevator button, dude. But he does have the paperwork. And he does a slow-motion walk. And he gets into that elevator, dude. He does get into the elevator. This kid is so fucking stoked. This kid has a permanent shit-eating grin etched into his face. In the elevator as he's rising up, this dude is revealed to be a worker. Who's he working, dude? He's working the cameras. He's checking himself out in the elevator reflection. The amount of confidence in this kid is completely unwarranted, but I kind of love it. He has all this unwarranted unearned confidence in himself. He looks like a walking representation of a douche. But for some reason, I can't take my eyes off this kid. Yeah, dude. This this kid's got main eventer written all over him, dude. I'm with you. This kid's main event anywhere in the country. Uh, he goes to Brooke's apartment. Brooke comes out ready to reveal the big prom-based appearance. But... We can't go any further, Bulkster, until we remind everyone that this episode of Brooke Knows Best and the streaming platform in which it's featured is brought to you by... Well, let me tell you something, Jack. You're putting some food on the grill, dude. You're putting some big burgers. No, you're putting a little teeny tiny burgers, dude, because you're trying to work it in the gym, and you need just a little bit of protein without all that fat. So you're cooking a little little, little simmery, shaky, slimy slider burger, dude. You need to get some of them King's Hawaiian sweet roll bun sliders, dude. And hey, if you're going to eat... Some, sle- some sleazy, slimy sliders, dude. On King's Hawaiian Sweet Roll Bread Buns, dude. Then you better go do that and then go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, dude. Featuring my good friend Rocky Raccoon in theaters now, brother. And? 
Oh yeah, dude, this one is also brought to you by The Little Mermaid, which is in theaters May 26th, but I'm not going to see that, because that mermaid's black, dude. Terry! What, dude? We're done. This is it. I'm done with you. Oh, come on, Johnny C, dude. I was just playing. I was just, I just, I just, I read something on the internet, dude, and I just repeated it. I'm the victim here, brother. The internet is to blame, dude. So now that we're back from these commercials, Brooke Hogan is wearing a yellow halter prom dress, shades of Miss Elizabeth at SummerSlam 88. Oof. Yeah, oof, indeed. Eddie instantly puts his hands all over Brooke Teedy. Yes, mouth noises. That's the appropriate response. He instantly hugs her. Brooke makes the mistake of calling Eddie cute and adorable, giving him even more confidence that he hasn't earned. They exchange corsages and boutonnieres. Uh, he kind of works an injury angle, like Brooke stabbing him with the boutonniere. Yeah, dude. I mean, I wasn't necessarily proud of that instant touch, dude. But more evidence that Eddie the Lamb is quite a worker, brother. Now, they pose for some pictures. Eddie puts his arm around Brooke's waist, and they take some pictures. The moment that Eddie has to let go, he still has the shit-eating grin, but the camera zooms in on him, and he takes a... Like a big, deep breath, like, holy shit, I can't believe I just had my hands on a Brook Teedy. Yeah, triple hoof, indeed. They leave, the door shuts the apartment, and Glenn and Ashley immediately start to laugh, like, oh my god, he's a nerd! Brooke is impressed by the giant limo. Only the best for you, says Eddie. I'm telling you, dude, this Eddie guy better watch where he puts his hands, dude. But he is a he's a worker, Johnny C, dude. I need to get uh, Shane McMahon on the phone, dude, and see if this guy can be in WCW. Shane McMahon doesn't own WCW. Yeah, he does, dude. I saw it on TV, dude. I read it. Johnny, have you ever heard of the internet, dude? You can learn all sorts of things there, brother. All right, I'll try to pay uh, better attention. Initially, the limo ride to Eddie's house is quiet, and no one really knows what to say. Eddie, though, continues to wear the shit-eating grin, looking at Brooke Teedy like a piece of meat. The phone rings, and it is the Hulkster who demands that Eddie is put on the phone. Eddie, upon hearing the voice of the one true Hulk Hogan dude, immediately marks out and starts giggling like a schoolgirl. Uh, what did the Hulkster say to Eddie? Well, uh, Johnny, I'll tell you exactly what he said. Well, hey there, Eddie, dude. You ever see a movie called Rocky Three? No, sir, I believe I missed that one. Well, you're going to have to rent it, dude, because I need some cash in my pocket. I need them residual checks. That's not what he said. Oh, no, dude, that's just... Uh, oh, sorry, dude. He said, well, you're going to have to rent it, because I wrestled Sylvester Stallone for charity in that movie, dude. And you saw what Thunder Lips did to him. Now, that is what he says, but Eddie admits to not seeing Rocky III, so he has no frame of reference here. So all he can do is continue to wear the shit-eating grin and laugh. Hulk demands he speak to Brooke, unaware that he's on speakerphone. You think you can whoop this guy, Brooke Teeny dude? Brooke does admit that she thinks she can beat him. Eventually, we show up at Eddie's house, and the whole goddamn town is here to exploit the appearance of Brooke Hogan and turn her into what Bruce Pritchard would call an attraction. 
it, she is an attraction here, but she's like a sideshow attraction, like a circus animal being paraded around for the entire community to take a look at. You know, it really is quite an honor, dude, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm so proud of her, dude. I'm glad to hear you are, too. No, I was actually... Oh, fucking forget it. Uh, great shot of a random kid skateboarding here that just happens to do a trick as the camera points on him. Eddie emerges from the limo and gets a huge pop from his family, but Brooke emerges and gets an even bigger pop. Working the crowd, dude. Uh, we meet Eddie's mom and dad, his little bro, his sisters, his cousins, and then Eddie introduces Brooke to his piano. And Brooke's like, oh my god, I know him! Let me play you a song. And Brooke Deedee does indeed sing a song for Eddie, which I will now perform for all of you. You can count on me any day, any single way. I know this for sure. I don't know why she hurt you. What a pitiful thing to do to someone like you. Yeah. At multiple times during the Brooke Teeny performance, Eddie continues to reveal himself to be a worker by wiping away fake tears at multiple intervals. This is so beautiful, dude. You know, Sal Brooktini identified herself as Brooke Hogan earlier. And now she's hooked up with Eddie the Lamb, dude. And he's a worker, too, dude. I'm going to have worker grandkids, Johnny C. I'm glad that you're proud, Bulkster. Uh, I'd like to continue, Bulkster. But before we do, the next portion of this show is brought to you by The Boogeyman. In theaters, June 2nd. Rated PG-13. Back at Eddie's house, we get some big hugs and cheering for the Brooke Teeny performance. And the entire time we're at Eddie's house, Bulkster, all I could notice was that, you know how people have, like, uh, window blinds in front of their windows? There's one window blind that's just very crooked and broken, completely out of alignment with the others. And I was thinking to myself, how did this kid win the auction? With this, like... Wouldn't you think that you wouldn't spend the money on a Brooktini auction and maybe get your fucking window shades fixed? Ah, but maybe that's just me. All the couples get into the limo. Eddie nerdily offers them some cider as we actually head to a commercial in the show. But we're back. And folks, we have made it to prom. Here at the prom, for some strange reason, Eddie continues to have off-the-charts confidence. Uh, we quickly learn that WWE has stolen... The theme for WrestleMania's 21 and 39 from this episode of Brooke Knows Best, as the theme is prom, goes Hollywood. Eddie takes prom photos with a Brooke Hogan, and he gives her a little dip to show I'm in control. Well, you know, Johnny, one of the things about getting dipped is it really leaves you open to go down for the one, two, three. But Brooke Teeny, she rised up to the occasion, dude. Didn't let that thing go down, brother. No, no screw jobs here, Bulkster. Screw job, dude. Oof. At the dinner table, Eddie smiles, and the man is made of teeth. I don't know what else to say about this youngster. Brooke says, I wish I went to my prom, to which Eddie replies, This is your prom! He's working her, again, really just trying to get an in here. Uh, Eddie then says something to his bro. Now, I want to slow down here for just a second, Bulkster. What do you think of bro? Well, I don't know, bro, dude. I'm like, 
you're going to have to define a bro. I know what dude is, but I'm not quite sure what a bro is. Well, Eddie has this bro who we're going to... Uh, a friend. Oh, okay, dude. Yeah, a bro. Oh, like a brother! Well, on the streets, they say bro. Oh, okay, dude. Okay, dude. So, this bro is going to be Eddie's confidant for the rest of the episode. And we're just... I don't know his name. He's never named, so we're just going to call him bro. Eddie does an aside. Are you familiar with an aside, Bulkster? You know, dude, I am. But why don't you just explain it for the listeners, dude? (laughs) Okay, I'll explain it for them. Eddie says something to his bro that I don't think he meant for everyone to hear, but we all hear it. He says, I'm having dinner with Brooke Hogan. Again, a little too loud. Brooke giggles and is like, you guys think you're such little players. To which Eddie responds, no, we know. Oh, dude, they're here to play the game, brother. You know, the boxer knows a few things about playing the game, dude. I don't know if you were around in 2002, Johnny C. You probably weren't even born yet. But let me tell you something, dude. I cruised right in there to the Providence Civic Center, the dunk, dude. And I and I dropped a leg on the game for the one, two, three, dude. I became like a five-time WF champion. It's not a big deal, dude. Here's something. To, here's a little bit of trivia for you, Johnny C. You ready for this? Sure, I'm all ears. So, dude... Not only is a Bulk Hogan like the WWF champion that brought the WWF to the limelight, dude, but I was also the first WWE champion, dude, because it was time to get that F out, dude. Who the hell do you think was holding on to that strap, brother? Wow. Is, is that accurate? Uh, is that confirmed? I mean, can we call the Undertaker? No, dude! It, it wasn't the Undertaker. It was me, dude. I promise. Don't even bother looking at the calendar dates, dude. It was me all along, dude. All right, fine. Um, but yeah, they're they're players. They crush a lot, etc., etc. Brooke is floored by this revelation. She has a look on her face like, "Oh my God, is this guy serious?" After proclaiming that Eddie is aware that him and his bro are players, Eddie lifts a hand in the air as if to request the highest of fives. The bro does not retort, and Eddie is left hanging without anyone to slap the high five. And the bro proclaims, we need a bathroom break. Now, even though it's Brooke knows best, the show becomes bro and Eddie know best, because we walk with them to the bathroom. Bro says, quote, Dude, I think things are going pretty tonight. Oh, wait, I fucked it up. I fucked it up. I'm sorry. Johnny C, dude, you take these notes, dude. Just read them. That's all you got to do. You got to add inflection or anything like that. Just say what they say, dude. Here, try it out. Let's let's get your vocal exercise. Let's get a little bit loose. You ready? I, I guess. Here we go. Lion face. Arr, lemon face. Ooh. Lion face. Arr, lemon face. Ooh. The human torch was denied a bank loan, dude. Unique. New York. All right, you, you loosened up now, Johnny? I, f- I feel better now, yes. All right, dude. Well, what did the bro say? Dude, I think things are going pretty tight. You gonna get it. To which Eddie retorts, I think, I think I can get it. Now we're at the urinals. As the two gentlemen hold their penises on camera. Of course, with their backs towards us, but we are watching them urinate. Mid-urination, bro says... That's all I really care about, dude. You leave here, getting in with Brooke Hogan. I'm a happy camper. Because you're my buddy, you know? So bro's just trying to put, you know, Eddie up on a pedestal and make him feel good about himself. Sure, he's suggesting that Eddie feel better about himself by 
making a move on a Brooke Hogan, but at least Eddie will feel better. Let's not worry about what Brooke thinks. Yeah, dude, Brooke's anything like Linda, she'll be okay with it, dude. Yeah, you, you knew her very well, didn't you? Oh, I did. I knew her pretty good, dude. So, urination has completed. They finished the pissing. We don't see them wash their hands, but they walk back to the table. And Bro lays it all on the line. Okay, so you want to make a little pact right now? You can't leave. You cannot leave her alone without getting something. Like a kiss, a something. You gotta do something. Well, the sleazy pact of an Eddie is revealed. Bulkster, you still hoping for those grandkids? Well, Johnny C, dude, you know, young love is so powerful, brother. Like, I feel like mountains are being moved right now, dude. And Eddie is just doing what's necessary to get the work done, brother. This is unbelievable. I thought for sure you would have the opposite reaction. We gotta respect the work, Johnny C, dude. I mean, Eddie is just laying it in, brother. He's just laying groundwork. He's trying to load up with some rocket fuel. Get this thing going. Get it back on track, dude. It's like I do with TNA, dude. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it, I kind of feel like... I kind of feel like, Boxer, you know what? I'm gonna put you on the hot seat here. Are you marking out for Eddie? Uh, dude, I don't recall. Oh, you are. You are marking out. Bro tells Brooke that Eddie is a dirty dancer, to which Brooke replies, Good. Uh, a fucking Eddie gets this shit-eating grin look on his face, which is followed by him proclaiming, Woo! Let's dance! And they dance! Out on the dance floor, Eddie grabs the waist of a Brooke Hogan. Brooke looks shocked. <laughs> then we cut to them dancing some more. Brooke Hogan has her right knee outstretched. And ladies and gentlemen, Eddie is grinding on the outstretched knee, which makes Brooke Hogan laugh in his face. Now he's behind Brooke Hogan, and much like Sable, he's ready for the grind. Dude, you say he's behind her? He is behind her. <sighs> yeah, that's right. Eddie then hits the big finish. Ladies and gentlemen, Eddie has both hands on the ground, and he's sort of planked horizontally. He thrusts his crotch from the ground and places one arm in the air and sort of is like, you can't see me, but I'm doing the dance. Brooke spikes the camera, embarrassed not only for Eddie, herself, everyone at the prom, for but for all of the viewers of home at, at home as well. She then foolishly indulges Eddie and does her own bend-over-grind dance to sort of tease the Edster. Once his crotch is appropriately teased, Eddie hits the patented Chris Jericho arms outstretched pose as he prematurely ejaculates, allegedly. Brooke excuses herself to the bathroom, probably to clean the jizz off of her dress, and Eddie sits down at the table with his bro. Bro has some more bad advice to dispense to the Edster. Dude, you gotta go find her and get some alone time with her. And then, and quote, ladies and gentlemen, quote, corner her outside. Make your move, big dog. Eddie walks away. Make your move, big dog. Just corner her outside in a corner where you can't leave. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to run. No way out of Texas, if you will. 
Well, Johnny C., in a corner, dude. No one can come up from behind. It's not a bad move. It's not a bad place to be for a Brooke Hogan. Are you... Su- You're... You... So, Eddie pursues Brooke. Brooke is on the phone, though. And uh, she's telling Ashley that she is having so much fun, but it's also kind of a funny situation. She's like, Eddie's nice, but he's like grinding on me and it's weird out of nowhere though eddie is here and he eddie is here and and he's able to audibly hear everything that brooke is saying nonetheless though his confidence is not shattered he sits down right next to a brooke hogan it's at this point i notice that eddie is indeed wearing a class ring and i'm sorry that makes you a big giant fucking nerd i, I got nothing for you take it to the bank sold Point made, never taking it back. Nerd! You wanna go dance? She does! And there's some slow music playing at the prom. Uh, uh, but, 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 you know, Brooke, Brooke, Brooke has to have a conversation with Eddie, though. I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you one thing. Like, are you having a good time? Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, Brooke quickly takes this thing back inside to make sure that there are witnesses present in case Eddie tries anything. The bro sees them enter, and he pulls Eddie aside. Dude, this is intense. But you know what, Johnny C, dude? It's not as intense as King's Hawaiian Slider Sweet Rolls, dude. Or as intense as that Rocky Raccoon is, dude. Or the Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I guess you could say I am Groot, dude. Yes, we get more commercials. Bro's pissed off because Eddie didn't try to kiss her. Come on, dude. What happened to the pact? What happened to the pact? This is the worst gym shit from American Pie. Eddie, though, doubles down on his commitment to kiss a Brooke Hogan before night's end. Brooke and Eddie slow dance. Brooke tells Eddie if she could have picked anyone to go to the prom with, she would have picked him. Unfortunately, Bulkster... Eddie doesn't have the emotional maturity to know that this isn't a signal. She's simply playing it up and hamming it up for the television cameras. Brooke gives Eddie a big hug. Eddie leads it for a kiss, but Brooke Titty dodges! Eddie gets the cheeks. The kiss is denied. Eddie looks beaten and broken. The prom is over. Eddie and bro are walking out. At this point, Eddie is now wearing some sort of a headband, shades of the Hulkster? Woof! Yeah. Bro says, hey, not everybody's got this opportunity. You gotta get it! This is poorly written shit. In the limo, Eddie is landed on thick, making a final grasp for relevancy. He grabs the hand of a Brooke Hogan. Brooke Hogan gives him the death stare. And then, ladies and gentlemen, and true... Hulk Hogan fashion, Brooke Hogan. I don't know if it's the character Brooke Hogan, the person Brooke Hogan. Bulkster, you ready for this? Oof. Brooke Hogan cuts a promo on Eddie. You're such a player, Eddie. <laughs> Are you a virgin? Oh! ECW, 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 ECW. That's right. ECW Chance Ward is pretty extreme, Bulkster. Yeah, dude, sometimes I get a little extreme, dude. Yeah, I've noticed. Upon being called out of having the status of potential virginality, Eddie turns even wider than he already is and stares blankly into the camera, wordless. 
Eddie, dude, at this point, brother, all you gotta do is say, I don't recall, dude. Eddie refuses to answer, but then confesses, yes, I am a virgin. Brooke is stoked and claps, to which Eddie says, it's actually pretty funny, please don't applaud my virginity. Brooke says virginity is attractive. Finally, we're back at Brooke's house. Eddie walks her to the door. They hug, ass out. And then, in honestly, 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 one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen, Eddie forcefully kisses Brooke. Mid-kiss, Brooke kind of chuckles like, oh my, what are you doing? Then Eddie takes his hand and grabs Brooke Hogan by the neck so she can't push away. She plays it off like it's okay. It's fucking disgusting. Eddie struts away. The night's over. Enters the limo. Says, I kissed her. Gives his bro a high five. And they fucking drive off into the sunset. Pathetic, Eddie. You are pathetic. In her apartment, reunited with her friends... Brooke throws Eddie under the bus, mocking the fact that while grinding with her, he was clearly turned on, as his penis made a large amount of contact with a Brooke Hogan. Oof! Yeah, that was a pretty intense hoof there. He then mo- or She then mocks his feeble attempts to kiss her, but ultimately says it was cute. But, whatever. Glenn offers strong words of advice. At least you're not in jail like Nick. And the episode ends. Johnny C., I'll tell you what, dude. There's one thing that's important that I've learned from this episode of Brooke Knows Best, dude. Uh, me too. I, I, we, it's probably the same thing that, you know, Brooke Bolea is absolutely aware that she's portraying a character that is Brooke Hogan. She plays it in stride. Uh, she realizes that uh, sometimes your character does things. Like like when Molly Ringwald kisses Andrew McCarthy, like it's really their characters kissing. And even though Eddie was p- portraying himself... Brooke Hogan sort of takes things in character, and does that, should she have to? No, no, she shouldn't have to. She does because she's a good sport, almost practically made for the wrestling business. Um, I guess you've trained her well, Balkster. Are, are we on the same wavelength here? Well, yeah, dude, I mean, you could say that, but I was also going to say that Eddie guy's pretty cool, dude. All right, well, I've had enough of you, Balkster. You're clearly oblivious and uh we're gonna move on all right dude that's fine brother uh can i can i can i go ahead and go now dude because my legal beagle jimmy hearts out there it looks like he's got a delicious a delicious hawaiian sweet roll dude with some sort of a burger on it dude and you know what i, I need some of that meat dude I, i'll see you next time on splash girl dude hey jimmy hart give me some of that meat dude all right well that's an end to the bulkster ladies and gentlemen that's an end to splash woman Splash Girl, Episode 2, covering Brooke Goes to the Prom, or whatever the fuck it was called. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the new TNN podcast feed so you get notified whenever new content drops. Check out the latest episode of the Multiverse of Fabulous, which can be found exclusively on the North South Connection Podcast Network. I'm Johnny C. He's the bulkster. She's Brooke. She may know best. And a winner is you. <laughs> <laughs>